it was ambi- it wasn't we weren't really clear what the guy was doing with the space, but it was a residential apartment. So um, the he showed the lease to the police, and the police were and I'm I was friends with the police, and they're like Eric, you know, stand out, stand down, give him the key. <laughs> if you don't give him the key within five minutes, you're going to jail. <gasps> really? So, so I was like, f that. Here's your key. <laughs> I'm not going to jail over this. And I and I told my my partner, and that was the last time that ever happened. So sometimes you have to learn. And try, um, and that was a fun experience. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to The Remix, the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I'm Noelle Fryson, and... I'm Eric Anderson, and today we are going to be talking about how to maximize your returns on investments through property management. You're gonna learn today the top three things that you need to keep in control of to get the best out of your properties. So of course, we always have our power panel, right? Today, our power panel consists of two masterminds of property management. (laughs) Thank you. We have Omar Sharif. As you guys know, he's our master flipper investor, Burr. And he's also the VP of Alexander Anderson Capital Group. And we have our fearless leader, the man with the mostest. Does that make sense? No, but you are. Eric Anderson. (laughs) So, um, property management management management. is a learned skill. Um, A lot of people just jump into buying stuff and they have no idea how to manage it. Remember, it's always easy to buy stuff. Give an example. Um, you've all heard of everybody who's who likes boating out there, and they're like, "What's the best day of, of boat ownership? It's the first day and the last day." Same goes for property management or for buildings. If you don't know what you're getting into and you don't know how to maintain that property, you have nightmares ahead of you. Okay, so we're going to start by going over some ideas and just yep. to talk about the major, major things that you need to know about property management. So I think the first one we should start with is finding tenants. Right, so you buy the building, right? You have this building, you have these apartments, now you have to occupy those apartments, right? Apartments or retail, right? Or retail. Apartments, retail, whatever it is that you're doing, you have to occupy it, right? Or you could use, um, doesn't have to be occupied, but it has to do whatever it has to do to generate income for you. So there's whatever that is, usually it's a tenant. So let's start, so how do you find these tenants? How do you how do you, how do you guys find tenants when you flip something? Sure. How do you fill it? Flip it then fill it. Sure. So burr. When you burr something, how do you find the tenants? Right. So when burr um, it and because in a flip you're selling the vacant. Buy, house. repeat, rinse. Yeah. Right. So if you're dealing with residential, renovate, rinse, repeat. Buy, renovate, rent, repeat. Right. Buy, mm-hmm. renovate, rent, Buy, refinance, rehab. Repeat. Rent, refinance, repeat. There you go. There you go. So if you're doing burr, you will have to find a tenant. Um, and for residential apartments, there's a couple of different options. You can hire a broker, and there's lots of online websites these days, ZillowApartments.com, Facebook. And the whole idea is to just get your photos, description, apartment listings advertised everywhere, and then have a system for processing the people who are interested. Do you in. actually stage an apartment? Not for renting, not at all. Not for renting. You wouldn't stage it? No. Okay, I would like you would to only You would only stage, if you're doing a, if, you, if you're building... A 24-unit apartment building, and Name you have 24 unit. units. <laughs> okay, so so we're actually building a 24-unit apartment building, and we will stage probably one of those units. Good point. Um, but you would never do that if you had like two units. It just wouldn't happen. Uh, it's not like selling a house. Yeah, but you know. good point. Good question though, because I have an apartment right now that has a small living room, and it looks bigger in the photos. So what I do is I do send a furnished photo of that living room just so people get an idea of how big it is so they can see it's like it's like when you get a room like when you when you have a bedroom and yeah. you see it with like a twin size bed and you know that you can't put like a king size bed in right. there right got it so staging is important especially it, it helps people visualize what they're going to be living in and when you have 24 units to rent you know the goal is to move them as quickly as possible but in a single unit you don't have to do that so there's a clear difference between commercial leasing and residential leasing so we're going to discuss both. So again, Omar mentioned some different websites that you can use. Um, having a broker is super important. Yeah. In most cases, uh, we're going to be totally 
transparent here. Sometimes having a broker hurts you yep. when it comes to residential apartments. Mm -hmm. um, Noel, do you know why that is? Because you have to pay a fee. Right. Uh, well, no, the, doesn't the renter have to pay the fee? Okay, so that's a great question. Every state has different laws. Okay. Okay. So in the state of Connecticut, okay, the landlord pays the broker fee. Oh. Okay. In the state of New Jersey, typically yeah. the client or the tenant pays the broker fee. Um, in the state of New York, the client tenant pays the broker fee also. However. Right. It's like one month's rent or. It ranges. It ranges. Um, in New York, it could be like 15% of the lease, depending on yeah. what it is. Um, New Jersey, it's typically one month's rent, um, again, for residential. And again, this all can have, it can be tweaked. So there's nothing to stop a, a landlord from paying the fees all across the board. But um, typically, one of the strategies that that real estate agents use is they go to a landlord who has an apartment. They say, hey, it's not going to cost you anything, right? So where that becomes a problem is that today, what Omar just mentioned, what were those sites you mentioned? Zillow, apartments.com, Facebook. Okay. Craigslist? So let's take, okay. let's take those. Th he just mentioned four websites that you could do. You could go to. So I'm now an apartment. I'm searching for an apartment and I go to those four sites. I can go direct and find owners that are not charging a fee. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I have to hire a broker like Adam or Omar and say, hey, find me an apartment. Now there's that extra month fee because usually they're going to be searching for stuff that's already in the market. So I'm going to now have to pay one extra month of a fee, mm -hmm. okay? Which is scary because um, that sort of puts you in a different price point if you're the if you're the the, the landlord, right? So if you go on apartments.com and put the the property out there directly, you're saving somebody it could be two or three thousand dollars. Whereas if you go through that broker, you're adding two or three thousand dollars to that experience for them, and it could take you much longer to get an apartment. I mean, to get a rental. Now, where that would be less of an issue would be in a higher price point range. So because they have the money, it's just they have more money. It's just a more service oriented. So, for instance, when I rent um, houses, okay. So, like, I have a couple single family homes that I use. I use brokers, but my rentals are like three or four or five thousand dollars. So right. those people are, are you know, families or or people that have good jobs that don't mind paying three or four thousand dollars broker fee. Saving up for this move. Yes. Right. So they're prepared to pay that. Whereas if we have a um, seven hundred dollar apartment, right, or or even up to two thousand. Because seven hundred is hard to find these days. Okay, so apartment. <laughs> like, that's no longer out there. Yeah. So people don't want to pay that extra two thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So super super important understanding when it's proper to use a broker. Um, so if you are someone who's managing um, homes under two grand, under two th or or any kind of rentals under two or three grand, you probably want to use those websites, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You could use both. You could use a broker as long as you have an agreement with them that you have the right. Consider it an open listing. If they bring it, they may or may not agree with that, but um, open listing is an option where you can have a realtor try to find a tenant, or if you find one on your own. You don't have to pay the commission. So it's like Hunger Games. Like everyone's <laughs> trying to get in there with their tenant. Whoever makes it happen yeah, fast. Right. I as a as a broker, I would never take an open listing, really, unless mm -hmm. there was unless I was looking for signage or something. But on something so small where it's yeah a thousand dollar fee or whatever, to me I wouldn't do that. But if you're just starting out, you want to take it and get all the experience you can. Now what about word of mouth? Has it even been hard? Let's stick with residential for one minute. And has it even been hard to rent anything nowadays? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, no, people no. are looking for places, right? Yeah. Especially if it's a nice renovated place, competitively priced, there's lots of demand out there. Okay, so yeah. what are you gonna do when that all turns? It's never gonna turn. Yeah. I mean, has there ever been a time where it's hard to rent? <laughs> Apartments, I don't think so. No, I wouldn't say hard, but it hasn't. Right now there's a pent up demand, so I right. find it easier and rents have gone up, which is surprising. Yeah, and it also depends if you're like that single family investor with the two or three family mm -hmm. versus a 400 unit apartment building. Like, does yeah. a 400 unit apartment building have challenges depending on the markets? Absolutely. But does that two or three family house? Probably not. Um, and so, word of mouth is really, really important, especially let's say you own a four family house, right? Or let's say you own three houses next to each other. 
So everybody gossips, everybody talks. So going to those tenants and saying, hey, do you know anybody from my apartment? That's a great way to, to get feedback, to get people to rent. And also, if you're a good landlord, they're going to go out and they're going to recommend you that apartment to their friends because they know that they can get them close. Everybody wants to pick their neighbors. What makes a good landlord? What do you guys think is a good landlord? <laughs> it depends on which side you're on. Well, as you know, I'm no longer a renter. Um, but when I was renting a house, my landlord and I never spoke. Um, and in some ways, to me, that was a good landlord. I never had to see him. I did my own thing. I. You also had a property management company running that. So you spoke True. to your property manager. I did. So in theory, your property manager was your landlord. Yeah, but also in theory, my property management was you guys. So it was very simple. Like I thought it was wonderful. So <laughs> no, but, but you have a good point. If you don't speak to your landlord, that's a good landlord, right? Right. Because the only time you should reach out to your landlord is when you need something repaired. Okay. Or if you have some issue you need to deal with. And a good landlord is someone who's able to take care of it without without a problem. Yeah. Always. yeah. And that's a whole nother discussion, but yeah. there's give or take. So a good landlord from the investor side is someone who collects their rent on time, <laughs> someone who screens their tenants properly, someone who keeps the place fixed properly. A good landlord from the pers from the tenant's perspective is somebody that doesn't bother them, someone that fixes everything on time, um, and uh, their rent on time is just responsive mm -hmm. and and doesn't overcharge them. So it just depends on on what direction. But so let's just touch on commercial for a second. So yep. commercial super super important to hire a broker. Totally different perspective than residential. Um, there's databases out there that you sort of can access as a landlord without being a broker, but you don't get the same level of access unless you register with these sites and you pay monthly subscriptions, which most brokers do or, or good commercial commercial brokers do. Plus, when you have someone who's in the commercial business, they have usually a pool of other properties that they're working with, so it's much easier for them to bring new tenants. Right. So you never want to go with that one-off person who's like, oh yeah, I, you know, just listed 10 apartments for rent, but let me rent your store. Like, that's not really the way to go. You want to go with someone who specializes in, in, in doing that commercial rent. Um, and how do you find that commercial broker? Oh, they're out there. You just, you, you, you look for someone in the area that has other signs up. That's usually what I like to do. Yep. Um, or you just have to interview people and you have to find someone that clicks, you know, we, this is obviously one of the things that I do, but I always look for people that are on the same mindset that I'm at. So, when I go out and interview somebody um, to determine whether or not I'm going to take on your your listing or your property to manage to to market your property, I want to make sure that I can click with you and that I can understand what your needs are. Mm -hmm. I don't just go randomly taking stuff like because there's so many landlords that are clueless, and as a professional, you know. I have my reputation and I'm bringing clients to you. And if you're like a loose cannon and you change your mind every five minutes, yeah. I don't really want to be involved with someone like that, you know, but, um, commercial word of mouth also helps if you have a good strip mall and the traffic's really good there and they love the, the, the management company, um, that store owner may say, Hey, I have, you know, a dry cleaner that I know that wants to come here or a blimpy that wants to come here. So, you know, word of mouth works in both areas um, similarly. Uh, and it's it's just super, super, super important. What about so, for companies? Like I've heard that bigger companies, they look for things that are on a certain side of the road that have a certain amount of foot traffic. Do property management companies keep that sure, information? So, or? Yeah, sometimes. Some of, the, some of them do. If, if the property manager doesn't use a broker, then okay. they should have that information. So do brokers keep that information? Brokers have all that information. Got it. Um, and it also depends on the level of property that you're trying to lease out. But knowing your property, knowing what you think should be at your property, and <clears throat> and really it's all about how you how do you make money, right? Highest and best use of your property is what brings you the money. So if you have a strip mall and you're by a college let's say, or by, let's say a hospital. So you want to find out what tenants benefit from being next to that hospital. A pharmacy. A pharmacy, uh, a medical device company, um, like maybe like a, a, a healthcare where they like give people to help you. 
those are people that are going to benefit from being next to a hospital. So you want to search that out and you want to know what's best for that property because those, those are the people that are going to pay you the highest rents. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want, um, uh, I'm trying to think, who would you not want? Like A bar? Competition. No, a bar is good because the hospital employees may want to go there. <laughs> I was going to say a daycare center, but then again, the hospital employees may need a daycare center. So like, you really just want to focus in on what's needed by that hospital, right? You probably don't want a lawyer's office, but mm-hmm. then again, maybe you do because right. of personal injury, who knows? But the goal is to try to figure out what pieces work there. And that's what's, what's important about the property management aspect about hiring a broker because they'll, they'll help you um, get through all that. So let's talk about screening. Okay, this is another super important topic. Um, and Omar in residential. Between residential and commercial, right? Two totally wor- yeah. different worlds. Omar, tell yeah. us about residential. So, what I do with every tenant is um, before I even show them the apartment, if it's through one of these channels that we just mentioned online, I ask them for their annual income, credit scores, how many occupants, and whether or not they have pets. Basic preliminary questions. And once they send that, um, assuming it meets the criteria, then we schedule a showing. So what's your criteria? The income has to be appropriate based on what the apartment is renting. Is for. there a formula for that? Um, general rule of thumb is three times the monthly rent. So if, okay. the, if the rent is 2000, you want them to gross at least 6000. Got it. The problem with that is they could be grossing 6000. But if they have a lot of debt, then the majority of their income is going to debt and they're not a good candidate. Mm-hmm. So just basic pre-screening questions. I don't show it to anyone who just responds. Um, once they see the apartment, if they like it, then we go on to the application. Okay, now what if, and I could see myself, and we talked about this, if I got someone who was like a single mom and she just needed to get out of her relationship and she has these kids and they're cute and the puppy, and I would totally give her the apartment. I don't think you would. No, you I wouldn't. totally would. But it's based on the finances. So you, it's totally based on the finances. You, do you take any kind of personal story into account? No. Eric? So, <laughs> one of the reasons we love Omar is because he's very. Yeah. But let's be let's be real about this because he's very yes. real. So, so I, I before hold okay. on. Okay. I used to do the personal stories. I used to be like Noel. Um, so my new statement is: Don't fall for the BS. Thank you. Okay. Thank don't you. Because so it's 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 easy to say it from outside looking in, but you're not doing. Neither one of you are going to benefit from can it. Can you give me? An example of when you fell for the BS. Oh, How sure. good was it? I, I, I'm going to give you a great example, right? And again, there's different levels of BS and there's different times. Sometimes it's okay to fall for the BS, right? So if you need to rent your apartment or your commercial space because you have a, um, a mortgage refinance you're, refinance you're doing and someone's BSing you, but you think that you can get them as a tenant for like six months before they go out of business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go for it. Make Good it happen. Point. Like okay. so, there's strategies and that stuff that you need to understand. Um, there's always a reason to do something that isn't the right decision sometimes. But I'm going to give you a residential experience. Um, I had an apartment. This was like five years ago, and it was in a mixed-use building. We had uh, three retail and three apartments. So we used to eat at this restaurant all the time. Um, it was one of the first-floor tenants. And she had, the, the owner had a waitress, a female, a server in her space. And we had been eating there like regularly, maybe like twice a week for, for a long time. So we got to know this woman. So it was, we knew her for six months. She was amazing. Like I would drop the napkin on the floor and before it hit the floor, she would be picking it up and folding it and putting it in my lap. Like she was the most amazing server. She was so attentive. She was so attentive. She was nice as pie. And like, I fell for that hook, line and sinker. And so did my, the, the partner that I was a, so out of nowhere, she's like, Oh, I need an apartment. You know, I just, I'm, I'm having a problem. I'm either she was getting evicted or she was getting a breakup, whatever was going on. She's like, and I have my baby and da, 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 da. Okay. So, you know, we looked at each other and we knew she didn't really have the money. Um, and she's like, I'll pay you off. I'll do this. I'll do that, whatever. Mm. So we said yes. How long was she in there? Okay. Wait, so, did you ask her for financials? Any any pay stubs? Was she pretty? Accounting information? It doesn't is matter it, what she is, looked this like. This is discrimination, was, by was, the way, but we're going to get into that. She was a young lady. She needed a leg up. Got it. You were um, being a nice guy. You if, know, if it was a young guy, would you have done the same? 
if he was serving us for six months okay. and he needed help, we would have helped. It was the story. Got it. Like, Got it. It was the, the young guy had a kid that he had to take care of, whatever. It was the story. Um, and she seemed pretty put together because of the way. Did she her being a lady herself. make it easier for that decision to happen? Maybe. Discrimination. But, you know. Know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> ladies have advantages that guys they don't do. have. What can they I tell do. you? But anyway, so we put her in. Okay. So the first month. Got the first month. Was late. Okay. okay. Then all of a sudden, she quit her job. She's no longer okay. picking up the napkin. Now, now all of a sudden, it's like, well, wait a minute. Where's the kid? There was no kid? There was no kid. No kid oh ever showed up. Okay. <laughs> but what did show up? Was a boyfriend. Was a, a boyfriend. A boyfriend. I knew one of them. A dog or a boyfriend. Okay. And what did the boyfriend bring with him? A dog. A pot? Pot. Weed. Pot. Okay. Not a pot with a plant. But right. Now that's legal today, I guess. But uh, <laughs> someone said, "Was she pretty?" Everyone, everyone thinks like exactly. me. Um, so, so that all of a sudden, everybody in the building was complaining about pot smell because you know, uh, but uh, it smells horribly. Oh my yeah. god! Like I don't know. So imagine, it's one thing to be at a party or whatever, and whatever. But like, imagine if you're living in that environment all day, every day, and these people. Because remember, the girl quit, so she had her guy move in. The girl quit. All they did was smoke pot. So now it's like month two, month three. She didn't answer her phone, so we had to evict her. And she wasn't paying. Wasn't paying. Disappeared. Lies, lies, lies. Quit her job. Had to evict her. Finally got her out. And guess what else she did? Ruined the apartment. She trashed the apartment. Holes in the walls. um, Like cigarette burns everywhere. So shame on me. For falling for the BS. So, so hence, we do not fall for Don't the fall for the BS. Don't no. ever fall for the BS. Um, and I'm sorry for people out there that really do need help because, um, unfortunately, the majority of people screw it up for everyone else. So if you're going to fall for BS, you do it more through, like, an organized Section 8 program or where there's a government agency that's actually screening somebody yeah. Yeah. and saying this person needs help, and then you can help them that way. But don't ever put yourself in a position... Um, where you fall for something because that's, you will get that's screwed. actually a really good tip so you're saying if you want to have a heart just do it smartly be yes. smart about it yes i like that I like or that. just like what i do now is i don't i try not to help people. i don't help I, <laughs> I don't i don't make my decisions for spaces based on helping people I make them based on business and then whatever money i make i just don't if when i want to help or donate i do it outside so like if someone needs an apartment because i want to be charitable or i feel bad for them i'll just give them money but i'm not going to put it in my environment because it's way too stressful and you won't Um, have it if people keep on trashing apartments and true and then the other problem is when you're mad so let's say you're you're doing property management for someone else or this is a building that you share with somebody so let's say the three of us here own a building together and i'm responsible and then i let someone pull on my heartstrings Whereas like Noelle is like ruthless and she doesn't give a shit. Like all of a sudden I'm the bad guy because why did I let this person in? And it happens. So you have to be super, super careful. Um, And let me just touch on that other part of this because this is down down the road, but we're kind of hearing it now. Don't be friends with your tenants. Right. Period. Okay. And growing up, my, I, I knew people that had real estate and I've heard mm-hmm. stories and, and I know my grandfather had help from some landlord at some point, you know, before he made, made his success where they're like, oh, my landlord's so wonderful. My landlord helped me with this. My landlord helped me with that. And we became friends with our landlord. Maybe if it's a single family and you're living or two family and you're living with the client, but it is so hard to be friends with people because mm-hmm. there's always a time when something goes wrong and they can't pay their bill. And all of a sudden, it now becomes your problem. See, when I was younger, I lived in the top floor. Me and my best friend, Leticia, we lived in the top floor of a brownstone that was two doors down from my mom's brownstone. And he totally gave it to us because we were two down, two doors down from my mom's brownstone. He, we, he was just like, you girls want to move in? Go ahead. And we were great tenants. Like, we did things for him, like, like, Chores and stuff like okay. the building. <laughs> like, what did you do for him? <laughs> <laughs> Cleaning chores. <laughs> but we did things for him. We were, you know, we whatever he needed. Like he had his business in the bottom yeah. of the brownstone. But but that's also because I had the wrath of my mom if we didn't. 
Okay, so he knew your mom. He knew my mom. All right, so yeah. that there was also... And he also... knew if we defaulted on anything, okay. he would go get it from my mom. Okay. But we never did. Okay. We were responsible. That's good. Not everybody is. But um, so, again, back to, back to screening. Um, screening that tenant is super important. It is so hard today to get out a residential tenant, okay? Yeah. Uh, and... Every state is different. New York City, I think, is probably one of the worst We're in the world. We're going to get to the big E word. Yeah. So um, that really is something you have to learn. Never make these. So again, we talked about it a few minutes ago where I said sometimes there's reasons to put in bad tenants. Right. Okay. There are always occasions. But just understand, once you you protect yourself at the beginning, just like they say, when you make your money is you buy a property, right? You make your money when you buy a property, right? Because you're buying it at the right price. That's that's when you make your money. Same with, with tenants. You you by putting in those right tenants, by screening them properly, even if you're desperate for money, that one time you get that one check, that will be your last yeah. check. Yeah. I, I think um, you could put in a bad tenant in commercial, but not in residential. Commercial because the eviction laws are different. Ah. Uh, yes. Right? Joshua has a question. Is it is it your preference or is there an upside of doing property management for commercial versus or commercial versus residential? It depends on um, well, commercial. They're, they're both different. Commercial tenants, for the most part, are responsible for everything within their store. So, if you're doing property management as a job, right? right. Then I like commercial because it's more business. It's less strenuous. If you're doing it. If you're doing property management for residential, it's like 24 hours a day, stopped up toilets, uh, people smoking pot in the hallways. You know, why does this this guy cook with too much fish in the hallways and the whole building smells? Or who died in the building? Like, you, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Did anyone ever die in one of your buildings? Yeah, I had a guy die. Um, was he found? Bef like uh, without? Did you want to know the story? Found. Really? Yeah. No, he was found with the nose. Oh my goodness! So this building had electric heat but it had gas stoves, okay? So what some of the lower lower income properties have, when they have something like this, the tenants will heat their apartment with the stove instead of the electric. This guy opened his stove, and I guess the stoves, when they're open, they just keep heating because the regulated, like it doesn't turn off. So the stove was on and on and on. The guy apparently died and like fell on the ground probably a heart attack, a stroke, nobody really knows what happened. And like a smell starts emanating from this apartment. So I guess it got, you know, you, the first day the super didn't comment, but it got worse and worse and worse. So finally the super is like, hey, Eric, you got to come check out this apartment. First thing I did was I think I called the police right. um, before we broke into the apartment. And then I had them come and then we broke or we entered the apartment and um, we found a guy on the floor. Oh. And so I wouldn't go in, and I didn't have to because I had people, thank God, that worked for me. So I, I made them, I asked them to go in, and they did it. And they identified the situation. So when the paramedics came and they tried to pick up the body, mm -hmm. did it melt into jelly? And when they touched it, it just like popped. Oh my God. And this is what being a property manager is like. <laughs> So I mean, oh we're, we're laughing, but it was a very traumatic experience. So well, that could happen in commercial too. So it could happen okay, anywhere. Let's go but, into commercial. Like yeah. how do you find your clients and, and, um, and screening and... So screening. So again, make sure you put the right tenants in. Um, there's different screening softwares. Uh, Omar, which, which are some of the ones out there that you've used? Um, the main one I use is NTN. Okay. Not so much for commercial, but for residential. Okay. Commercial well, is a different screening altogether. So what I do for residential, once you have a lease application with basic information from the tenants, their income, where they live, the rent they're paying, what they do for a living, how many occupants, so on and so forth, um, that's your pre-screen right there. And if you if they like the apartment and you approve the pre-screen, then you take it to the next level and oh, you get the next level to get a full background check and get a report a credit score report. So Do I use you find NTN out if they are criminals. NTN does have that element to it, um, so that's what NTN is. Can yeah. you reject someone on the basis of them being a criminal? Um, depends on what type of criminal. Okay. But, right. So okay. with with residential, you have to treat everyone equally. Correct. Yeah. So before you start showing an apartment. Um, and this only goes for 
three family and up or one family owner occupied with two family. If you're an owner, you can be more discriminatory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But typically you have to decide like my minimum credit score is going to be X. Mm-hmm. My minimum income is going to be X. Right. And the reason you do that is that way you can't discriminate based on um, color or Got based it. on so whoever doesn't make sex, cut out personal stories, right, right. Or personal whatever. Story. So you're supposed to just come up with a, 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 a number. Cynthia wants to know who pays for the background check. Tenant. It's Tenet. only like a fifty dollars fee. Tenant. Fifty hundred. Okay. Yeah, that's how most people do it. When you have a professional management company, mm-hmm. or if you're a professional landlord, you're going to charge the tenant. Usually, there's a website that they go to. Like we have a website that you go to, and I think it's like forty bucks or something. Okay. If you're like a one-off landlord, you may do the screening on your own, and you just may pay okay. for it. Yeah. You know, it depends yeah. on the situation. What about commercial? Um, commercial, we don't charge the tenants. Um, once we pick a tenant, we would usually get their financials first, okay. ask for bank statements or ask for tax returns, um, and then go and pull the report, have them do it, um, give us information, pull the report ourselves. And what software do you use for we also commercial? Use, we also use NTN. But there's, NTN. that's just one software. There's probably five yeah. of them out there. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk about this too, but there's property management software that, and the, depending on what software you use, they sometimes have a built-in mm-hmm. a company that they work with. But now with commercial, you could use NTN to screen the individual, but you still have to review all their financials to make yes. sure their business is a good business. Yeah, so that, that's a whole different screening. And it's yeah, how do you know that their business should be there? How do you know that they're not going to go? So under- I treat commercial the same way that people are. I always look at it as who's the person behind the company, right? So just because there's the a company, of the behind right? The curtain, right? Like unless it's Coca-Cola or like Google or whatever, where in theory, like it's so big it doesn't Chick-fil-A. matter, right? So if you're dealing with someone like that, that's a totally different world. You don't even have to do a credit screening if you don't want to, because it's as long as they sign off corporate, you're good. But for smaller uh, businesses, you need to know who is behind the business, who it is, who's the signer, who owns the company. And you try to get like a personal guarantee or you get some kind of a time limit on their personal guarantee. Um, so if the company goes out of business, then you still have them as the actual person on the hook. So very, very important. And they do this because isn't one of the whole reasons you have the business entity is so that your house doesn't get taken? Yes, but remember, um, if you want to get something in life, you have to make exceptions, right? So let's say there's five people that want this corner store. So you've heard the expression, whoever holds the gold wins. So the landlord is holding the gold in this respect because he he owns the store. So you have five people that want that store. If all five of their credit is good, right, he's going to be like, well, I want a personal guarantee. So if if you don't give the personal guarantee, he's not going to give you the store. There's all different scenarios. There's all different ways. Commercial, uh, if anybody has heard me before, there's no rules in commercial, I like to say. Mm -hmm. So anything can go. You can make almost any decision you want. As long as people agree, you can do anything. but credit score is not always the most important factor when it comes to commercial. Um, it's really about their tax returns. It's about their business strategy. It's about references. Uh, so I'm more flexible with commercial. It's based on the vibe um, of what I see as a big picture. It also depends on the space. If you have a, a strip mall like in a rural area that has 10 empty stores, Your goal is to keep them rented. So you're going to be more flexible there. Um, And as Omar said, getting commercial tenants out is much easier uh, than it is for residential. Um, And again, back to the screening. So like everybody, we all just lived through COVID, right? Right. So imagine if your building was filled with residential tenants that were not screened properly, and those people were already on the cusp. So everybody during COVID, whether whether they needed it or not, they either took grant money Mm-hmm. Um, or they took advantage of some system, right? Everybody did it. We all did it. Right. Everybody did it. Even you know, I had grant opportunities. We all we all took grants right. because they were there. Like it would be stupid not to take them. So, if you had another situation like that, and you had all these tenants that really didn't belong, right off the bat, they're going to stop paying. Yeah. Okay. Right. And guess what? Your mortgage is still due. Okay. During COVID, I think my bank. One of my banks offered me like a three-month deferment, okay, without any penalties. That's only had, three months. You had to pay the whole three months at the end of the three months? I don't remember because I didn't take the deferment because okay. we were fortunate where we had the money to keep paying. But 
they still wanted you to pay your taxes. They were just deferring the mortgage payment. I'm like, what about all these tenants that aren't paying? Right. Could have been a nightmare. And I'm sure that there were tons of landlords out there that did have nightmarish experiences and almost lost their buildings. So just imagine if you had done a better job at screening those tenants and maybe kept the kept the apartments empty longer until you got a good good flavor or a good family in there who is used to paying their bills. People that are used to paying their bills are not going to take advantage. Okay, if they do take advantage, it's because they're really in a desperate situation. So um, I think screening is 100% the most important. Let's talk leases. Yes. What do you guys do for leases? Uh, you said, you told me a good lease makes... Money. I don't oh, know. a good tenant. That's what you ah, told me. Ah, that's right. I forgot. You remember, <laughs> you you remember when I talked to you? You said a good lease makes a good tenant. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> A good lease makes a good tenant. Very true. Why yeah. is that, Omar? Tell us. Well, as far as which lease to use or what type of lease, I use a stand. Every state has their general standard residential lease. So in New Jersey, you can use the one that most realtors use. It's very easy to access. Um, and the reason you want to use a standard lease is because you can't just come up with your own rules. To a certain degree, you can, but you can't. You can't change what the fair housing laws and what the real estate state laws already have in place. And these boiler boilerplate templates already have those things in place. So I recommend using whatever your state template is and making small tweaks, mm -hmm. but don't create your own lease, don't add your own funding. What are some of the small tweaks you would make? Um, parking space, right? Okay. When they're allowed to have access, whether or not there's backyard access, um, lawn care, whether or not the tenant's responsible for it. So. Oh, okay, lawn care. I have a question. So I'm moving out of this place because I'm moving into the new home, right? You, you have grass in the new home. Uh, well, the you have to take care, care of the, the lawn. lawn care is David's in right. the new home, right? That's his job. But in the old home, there are dead trees. Dead trees where the boys were playing, and we asked the the, the person to remove or or cut down the limbs of the dead trees, and he said, "Lawn care is your responsibility. You need to remove the trees." like three thousand dollars a tree to Wait, remove the, a tree the old home or the home the old home. the old home and i was like well kids better not get hit oh. by a limb so he's probably he's probably right yeah um but that would be if you were worried about it you would need to do it really yeah because you agreed to long hair mowing the lawn it depends what your lease the, the leaves it's it depends what your lease says because lawn care is not a tree yeah it's not um, it's a gray area if he said land if he said Landscape maintenance, uh -huh. then I would say 100%. Lawn care, it's debatable, is just lawn. Yeah, but these are great. Okay, these are now I know if ambiguous. I ever a lease for anything else, I will make sure that tree removal is not part but of it. But if he doesn't do it and you think it's a risk, you could tell him, Well, if this falls, where you oh, I did. I wrote a scathing email that if any of my kids or cars get hurt, on him. Okay, continue. <laughs> Um, so as far as a lease, use a standard lease. If you don't have one, ask a realtor. You could Google a standard lease these days. And for residential, it's pretty straightforward. Um, one thing I wouldn't do is I wouldn't use a homemade type of lease. I wouldn't download a random lease from the internet because you, you have to follow and buy one? state laws. <laughs> yeah, you can, right? Yeah, so the state laws are different. You have to follow what New Jersey allows you to do and use or that. Or Connecticut or, or California whatever state or, or Texas. So what's, right? what's, what's my favorite clause that I put in all the residential leases? Do you remember? What is it? If you don't pay, you owe me you double. You pay to play? No, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite clause? You don't know? Um, if you visualize it, you can own hold it. Hold on, your favorite clause. We don't do rent-to-own programs. <laughs> for rental or commercial? For rent, for, for residential. Your favorite clause. Rent is due by the fifth. The first of any... Month. Wrong. The first... Mess up? $200 of any... Oh, maintenance. The first $200 of any repair yes. is the tenant's responsibility. Any repair, whether it's a tree, whether it's a toilet, whether it's a, if, a if you an wanted oven. If you wanted to pay the $200 for the tree, I would have. Why do I put that in there, Omar? Because if you don't put that, you'll be called into the house to change a light bulb. Ah, okay. no, seriously, I would have called someone to, I would have right. called so to change a light bulb. I wasn't thinking light bulb, but that's a good point. The reason that I do it, <clears throat> so let's say you have young kids, and young kids like to flush yes. things down the toilet. Yeah. Okay. So all of a sudden, you know, all of those GI Joe action figures 
keep getting shoved in the toilet. And what happens? My daughter tried to flush her sister, but go ahead. Okay. So she probably didn't fit. But in, in other cases... Every time something gets stuffed down the toilet, how much does that cost to get a plumber out there? More than 200 but 200 is enough to... So it's like two, $400, whatever. So imagine, right, that happens one time, that mother doesn't pay attention or the kid, whatever, and she has to pay $200. So now, guess what? Nothing ever gets shoved down that toilet again. Nope. Okay? However, if there was no fee for that, how many times do you think that stuff would get shoved down the toilet? Every week. Yeah. So if you don't put something in there, it's it's really just to help keep people responsible and accountable. It's you know. I think that's no. That makes complete sense. Do you know how many little things over the past three years broke? That because in my in my clause it said the first whatever uh -huh. I have to pay for. That's your fault. Now I know. Because we represented your your landlord and you, so we had to be fair. But. I didn't, I didn't even say, I just fixed yeah. it myself or I found you to fix it or something Super like that. Super important. <laughs> make sure as a residential landlord, make sure that's in all that's of your leases. Good. That's a really good yeah. one. Very, very important. Um, okay, so we talked about personal stories. Commercial, there's all different rules. You know, an office building and a fancy office building, the landlord takes care of changing light bulbs. Really? Yes. In a retail store, um, depending on the caliber of the store, or if, if you're in a mall, the store owner may take care of it. The store owner may take care of everything. So there's really no rules. The store owner can also be responsible for the, the heating and air conditioning system. So everything is negotiable. There's no rules. It's all based on what's in your lease. So super important to know that. Also know your market, know what you can and can't get away with. What um, do you do in the lease? You just write it. It's just I mean, there. There's a clause. I mean, no, but I'm saying, is there a boilerplate lease that you use in commercial? Do you download it from Staples? Like, what I think that you would, a com first of all, a commercial lease, real estate agents in New Jersey at least cannot prepare a commercial lease where as they can pre prepare a residential lease. I'm not sure about other states, but typically if you're a first time commercial owner, I would recommend you go uh, have an attorney work with you yeah. preparing that lease. There's just too many things that can and can't go wrong. Um, and it's very, very important, especially yeah. how the, depending on the level of money. If it's like a thousand dollar a month store, it is what it is, but if you have a five, six thousand dollar, ten thousand dollar store, you really need to to really understand and have a better grasp of what you're doing. Um, but after you start doing it a lot, you can have a boilerplate lease. So I have a boilerplate lease that I use for my commercial tenants, and I just tweak it. You know, little things like you address garbage removal, you address who gets a certificate of occupancy. You have to address all this stuff because if you don't, it will come back to you. Um, so take your time. Make sure you think through what your, your, your needs are and have them put into that lease. So tell me a little bit about how you manage the tenants. Okay. So again, tenant relationships. Yeah, tenant relationships. I always give my tenants respect um, to the best that I can. Uh, Do you manage your residential tenants different than your, than your commercial tenants? I mean, not with the respect. You give everyone respect, so. But... So... If you, I like to have layers. So uh, again, this is what I do for a living. So I have people that work for me that in theory are in between me and the tenants. But if you're just starting out and you're dealing directly with the tenants, it's very important to keep a business relationship. Try hard not to be friends with that person. Keep it business, get them back, get back to them in a timely manner, do everything in writing. Um, don't have any verbal agreements. Mm. If you have a discussion with somebody and you think you've hashed out an issue, recap it in writing. Send them a, an email saying, this is our discussion, this is what we did, because you will forget. And if you don't forget, they will forget. And then once you forget... Then it's, oh, it, you said this. Yes, oh, no, you and it said becomes this. a huge yeah. problem. So never, never, don't, never become friends with the tenant. Always put everything in writing. Um, and again, look at the big picture. So don't fight over a $200 door if they're going to be a tenant for five years, okay? And they're building, uh, they're doing a huge renovation in your space. So understand that. Don't nickel and dime. Try to appreciate what that tenant's going to bring to your building and the value that they're going to bring. And in theory, they'll appreciate you. Also, don't get bulldozed. Don't let somebody come in there and say that they're going to just, they own the space and they're going to do whatever they want because there are rules. And you do have defense um, through attorneys. But also understand that it's super important to screen them properly. Make sure you're comfortable with who you're putting in because you still have 
you still have to get people out. You still have to go through the legal channels to evict people. Um, it's hard to evict people. Things get damaged during eviction. People don't follow the rules. People don't care. You know, avoid trouble issues by prepping in advance. So we have a good 12 minutes left, right? Of this wonderful podcast. And I want to just let you know that we do have a whole class, a certification class on property management. RECareerCenter.com. Uh, you just go there, you look under courses, you're going to find out all about our property management certification course taught by top property management owners and professionals. And it really, I actually, it was an ex-boyfriend, but I actually had someone who took that class and then got an offer for six figures in the city after taking that class for property management. An ex-boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear this. You did, I don't think you ever met him, but okay. yeah. We'll call him a boyfriend. So anyway, um, we're going to talk. I want to I wanna find out um, your take on residential, what to do with mm -hmm. tenants, how to manage your tenants. Sure. But then I want to know all about evictions. I want to know how do you get people the out of there. So as far as um, managing tenants, like Eric mentioned, my biggest priority goes on proper screening. And I spend a lot of time on that. So I won't. I won't rent it too quickly. I won't rent it to anyone who's even borderline. I'll take my, if I have to keep it vacant for a month, I'll do that. Um, but once I screen the tenant properly, I haven't had issues. Really? I haven't, no. It's just because I'm more so laid back. <laughs> You've never had an eviction? I haven't had an eviction, no. You've ah. never had an eviction? No. No, because I, I screen them very like, well. No, because I do it right <laughs> from the start. <laughs> no, but things can go wrong and I get it. It's, it's, a, it's a real concern, especially during COVID. I had some tenants that did stop paying, but they were good tenants and they caught up. So they called, They actually paid you. There's, they're still paying, but okay. they're they're working on it, okay. and they got some grants, which was useful. Um, but most of the problems I've seen with tenants being evicted, it's always an income issue. If it's not their behavior, it's an income issue. So if you get that taken care of from the start, you avoid a lot of issues. So basically, you have to have ten times the amount to live in a three times, building. <laughs> three times. <laughs> um, and that does no. But the thing is, a lot of tenants don't do their own financials properly. Mm -hmm. So they think they could afford it and they can't. Yeah. So when they say, hey, I make 50 grand, I could afford an apartment that's 2,100 plus utilities, you really can't. And then they have credit card debt. They don't pay attention to that. So if that responsibility falls on the landlord to take, to take care of. God, you're worse than a mortgage company. Well, it's the same same <laughs> criteria, not much different. So He's actually a good landlord. Right. Yeah, and then what I do, and I put a lot of emphasis on this, is as soon as something goes wrong, I try to get it repaired as soon as possible. So mm -hmm. I don't delay, especially heat, water, cooling. Um, that's good. Yeah. So, I, and sometimes it costs me more to get it done quick, but I don't, I don't delay on that. I've heard you going out in the middle of the night and changing, so changing I, pipes and I don't know if I would change the pipe, but I've had my calls in the middle of the night where water line breaks and the tenants calls me, starts freaking out and it's not easy to deal with, but that's part of it. Okay. So, and it doesn't happen often. It happened to me once. Um, so I haven't had evictions, but evictions in residential are a nightmare. It's, yeah. it's, it's what'll kill your profits. It'll kill everything that you're working towards. And in most cases, um, that's what drives people away from even owning rentals. So, Got it. so don't be scared of it. When do you, when would you say so you actually can't talk about evictions, but I can. So <laughs> Please do. I've, I've had a couple, um, better property management firms or people are on top of it and they'll start evictions on the 14th. So if your rent's due on the first, you have a grace period, either five days or 10 days. And then on the 14th of that month, they actually start eviction. Okay, Scrooge, really? They never let you get, because remember, your security deposit is like a month and a half right. or two months if it's commercial or maybe three months. So you have to stay ahead of your security deposit. If you don't do that, then you're coming out of pocket. So, so I would do the same thing. If they if they didn't pay and didn't ask me for um, more time to pay, I would mm -hmm. file eviction right away. Yeah, so you have to be attentive. You have to have a good attorney. Can you stop the eviction once you start? You can. It? So okay. it's not even, it's not your choice. Um, if you're in court and the tenant brings all the money, mm -hmm. the judge is going to let them stay there. Okay. okay. So it's very rare that someone who wants to stay, who has money, can't stay. Um, so the, the trick is just get those evictions out early because some people wait for two, three, four months and now all of a sudden it's like, where the hell are things going? So right. get the evictions out early, make it happen as quickly as possible. Um, just just understand the differences between commercial and residential eviction. You can't just go and lock a door. 
Okay. No. You can't do that in either. I just can't put their stuff out on the street. You can't threaten you them. You can't. Yeah. Cannot. Um, I'll give you a quick story. I had a business partner who didn't believe me and was old school and was like, get that guy out. We're just going <laughs> to get him out. And I'm like, and I'm a licensed real estate. I'm like, I can't do that. But because he was my partner and, you know, sometimes you have, this is especially when you're just starting out. So this was like 17 years ago. And, you know, you have someone who maybe has more money than you telling you like, this is what I want done. So I'm like, okay. So I changed the lock. Uh, within two hours, the tenant had the police there. Commercial, a residential. It was it was a residential apartment that it was ambi- It wasn't. We weren't really clear what the guy was doing with the space, but it was a residential apartment. Okay. So um, the he showed the lease to the police, and the police were and I'm I was friends with the police, and they're like Eric, you know, stand out, stand down, give him the key. <laughs> if you don't give him the key within five minutes, you're going to jail. <gasps> Really? So I was like, "F that! Here's your key. I'm not going to jail over this." And I and I told my my partner, and that was the last time that ever happened. So sometimes you have to learn and try, um, and that was a fun experience. But uh, okay, yeah. What about but, evictions and com- well, what about evictions and commercial? So, so we have had that. I didn't what? get into that. So <laughs> wait, 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 so wait. no, I haven't had residential, but I have I have had commercial ones. Yeah, well, almost. Um, and commercial, it, it's different because you, you didn't could, screen properly. Well, we did, but <laughs> it's based on. <laughs> I think we did right, but um, we we have to be careful with certain experiences yeah. that we share out loud. Out yeah. But so um, we had to file eviction because the tenant stopped paying, mm-hmm. didn't give us any notice on how they plan to continue paying, and in commercial, it's much different than residential. So okay. you could evict someone within thirty to in, th- in about thirty days. Um, but if they make payment, then they get to stay. So in our case, they made payment, and uh, we let them and stay. And then you let them yes. stay. Yeah. But you, you brought up something really interesting. You said you could use late fees as a tool. Can you just – I wanted to let everyone know yeah. about that because I, mean, I thought We're going to have really, to do a part two on this. But yeah, but that was really interesting. Late fees as a tool. Always have late fees. Always implement your late fees. Um, you can always use it as a motivating factor to get someone to pay you. Like, hey, you owe three months. If you pay all three months now in cash, certified check – I'll waive your late fees. Okay. Um, there's so many tricks and, and and tips for property management. We haven't even gotten into the maintenance of this yet. Right. So I think we're going to have to bring this back to continue our topic. So the top three things we talked about were finding the tenants, managing your tenants, and then evicting your tenants. And you have to master Relationship. It. Tenant relationship. Tenant relationship. Yes. Cynthia wanted to know what were the three points or Got it. Kimberly did. Well, so. Cynthia, Kimberly, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many points so out there. You know, we haven't even talked about like keeping your 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 buildings free from bugs. If you saw our yeah. last episode, we had bugs running across the table. <laughs> I didn't see that. I wasn't here. <laughs> Omar it's almost ju- Omar almost jumped into the wall because this bug came across the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's because the landlord doesn't maintain, and we don't own this building. But anyway. Um, so yeah. remember, if you're interested in property management, if you want to find out more from these guys, you want to find out more, you want to get actual certification, go to recareercenter.com, look under courses, and you'll see property management certification. Our next one is September 9th and 10th, but we have one every second weekend of every other month. So, And it's online. So if you are in Alaska, take the course. It's a national course. Okay. So, subscribe, 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 subscribe. You know how to do it. I don't need to tell you. Everyone knows how to subscribe. Just do it. And we'd love to hear your horror stories about property management or about bugs attacking you or whatever it is. Share your comments with us so we know um, what you're thinking. So, and remember, if you visualize it, you can own it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.